Hey everyone, and welcome to the second episode of the week of the JRE Review. Today we're going to go in slightly a different direction. Um, as you know, I do the Joe Rogan Experience Review. The reason I did it is to continue the conversation with the Joe Rogan Experience, uh, add a little bit, thoughts, um, ideas from fans, and just kind of keep the conversation going. What I've always felt is in the world of podcasting, it's hard to know what podcast to listen to and when. There's so many great episodes out there. Often I follow a lot of people, Lex Friedman, Jordan Peterson, you know, uh, Huberman, you name it. There's just so many great shows and it's hard to keep up. It's hard to know where the good episodes are and when to listen to them. So I have a new show that's coming out. It's called Talking Heads with my buddy Sean. This show is designed purely with our team to find great conversations in the world of podcasts, review them, talk about them in a similar way that we do the Rogan experience so that listeners know where the good conversations are and the hope is so you don't miss any. Today... We're going to play an episode from that show. Links are in the bio. Please go there, follow, subscribe, and see how it goes. Hopefully, this is a good resource for you. I believe it will be. Stay tuned. Thanks, guys. Hello, and welcome to the Talking Heads podcast. In this show, we take great snips from other shows, shine a bit of light, add a bit of context, and always add some humor. We are not affiliated with any of the shows mentioned in the podcast. However, if you are interested in the shows discussed, you can easily find them by going to the link in the podcast. And now, to the show. And the real world is not an idea. It is not words. Reality is... Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Talking Heads podcast with myself, Sean, and Adam. What's happening? Uh, this week, we are discussing Joe Rogan on the Meat Eater podcast with, uh, forgive me, I forget his name. Oh, Steve Ranella. Steve Ranella. Steve Ranella. You're not a big Meat Eater podcast? Well, this is the this fan? is the first podcast that I've listened to him. Um, obviously, we do live in Montana, so you know there is a big hunting crowd out here, and I've met a bunch of people who are into hunting and stuff. But I'm not as well versed as obviously the uh, Steve or Joe. Right? And I sa- I think it sounds like you. I, I don't remember how much do you know about. Hunting? Yeah, I know. I know a little bit. I've gone bow hunting the last three seasons, and I've done it two seasons before. Okay. Previously, and done a few rifle hunts, and but it, you know, I'm not really very experienced either. There's so much to know. Oh yeah, but you know, you get it's a gist a whole... of some things. Like I, I really enjoy listening to Steve's podcast, though. I did when too, I do, yeah. it's it's uh, it's just fascinating. I don't listen to it that much, but I've always liked Steve Ranella, and I actually met him a couple of months ago. Um, I think back in. Shit, what was that? Maybe October? He was doing the Meat Eater Season 11 release party here in Bozeman uh, oh. at the Schnee's. 
Is that how you say? Oh yeah, Schnees. Schnees, yeah. Schnees, They're a big. I'm surprised it wasn't at the Sitka place. Yeah, Sitka's huge. Oh yeah, here, yeah, big. We have like a retailer. Mm-hmm. Sitka guy came by right oh, before yeah? we I'm left. Sure he yeah, did. he wants to do some something with the Bomb Snow Magazine stuff that we do out of the studio here. That's pretty and, cool. Anyway, yeah, Steve was awesome. Great guy. Met him. He signed like a calendar that I have, and. Um, um, yeah, and then the new season was coming out, so I was keen to kind of see what he was up to. What I really like about him is he seems to me, in a way, to be like the Anthony Bourdain of hunting. Oh, yeah. Right? I like that comparison, yeah. Because he has such a poetry to the way that he narrates his meaty to show. And if yeah. you haven't seen many episodes of that show, randomly go watch one. Pick one out, like it, I think it's on Netflix. I'm pretty yeah. sure. Just pick one out and watch like the first ten minutes, and do it. Yeah. Do it like later this evening, just to like see, because he always starts with this beautiful poetic narrative of like yeah. what's happening, but he does it from a, a very like grounded, masculine armor hunter type. Mm-hmm. Way, but just brings this like beauty to it yeah and i think another thing about steve is you can definitely tell that he knows what he's talking about like he is very well versed in all of those things i loved uh in this show the way he opened it i, I think it was like just after christmas or whatever but he was like yeah gonna go do some some whitetail hunting maybe probably definitely some beaver trapping <laughs> like he just went off and i was just hilarious like, it was just such a great way to start the show because i was like okay yeah this guy knows what he's talking about he's, yeah Dude, super he's super into it. It's all he does. He's so so, so freaking passionate about this whole lifestyle, and he's really is eccentric about it. Oh yeah. Like if you said to him, "Okay, right, so now you've become famous, and you have this money and this fame and these things, but you can now you just have to live as a famous person. Like you've got your money, you live in New York. He's going to be doing can, the same shit. Or or." And you can never hunt again. Or you can hunt, but we got to take all this away. He's he like, well, I just see you. Yeah. yeah, he just, yeah. He give all of it up. It just oh, happens yeah. to be that it allows him this life to kind of do, you know, with it what he pleases. I thought it was really interesting, too, in the show, uh, kind of similar to that. Joe was talking about um, his, like, uh, priority in his life that hunting is for him. And he was like, yeah, I've pretty much gone to a place right now where um, I can kind of get it to where I want. And hunting is like definitely a big part of his life at the moment right now. Um, And you can tell that he prioritizes that. And also Joe knows his shit about hunting. I mean, especially, you know, compared to someone like Steve, who you can tell is like, that's what he does. Like, that's just him. He's a hunter. Like Joe as well knows all of his shit you can tell that he's clearly done a lot of it, and he is also passionate about it. Well, Steve was the first person to ever take him hunting, and also really? okay. somebody I know called Dan Doty, who's mm-hmm. part of the reason I ended up moving up to Bozeman. So I heard Dan on Joe's podcast because he was on it many years ago. He was also somebody that was a part of Meat Eater and worked with Steve Ranella. He was the producer of that show, or one of the producers. And became obviously friends with Joe and went on Rogan and talked about these men's group um, things that he'd put together um, that originated kind of here in Bozeman. 
And he was just kind of pushing that on Rogan's show while they also kind of talked about all the fun times of hunting together. Well, it happened to be that a good friend of mine, Sean Helvey, who I do another podcast with, knew this guy, basically worked with him, was in the men's group with him. Oh, that's and cool. I was like, hey, this guy sounds interesting. That's cool that he knows Joe and they took him hunting. I'd love to meet him. I flew up here, hang out with my friend Sean, but also to meet him. Uh, ended up starting my own men's group back in Santa Monica because I like the idea of it, like the theory and the processing. And like it's kind of like quite big up mm-hmm. here in Montana as well, which is like you wouldn't think that because yeah. it's like you think it's Yellowstone up here. Just like a bunch of angry farmers. Yeah. But there's like, there's strength, but then there's also like a, a caring, like, you know, philosophy that is in the culture as well. Yeah. Like it's it's a, a bunch of things. Yeah. And that's what I like about hunting too is like, I've, I've, I have to admit, I've never hunted before, but I, I do see, I've met a lot of people in Bozeman who hunt and everything. And there is a bit of that like manly testosterone of like going out and like, tapping in with your primal state and all that shit. But then there's also a like a big part of that is people are just like trying to provide for their families and they're like, listen, man, like my uh I had a professor at school and um he he killed he got like a uh, an elk and a couple deer this year and he was like uh yeah my whole my whole garage is filled with meat or whatever. But I was like, that's cool. I was I just jokingly just pissed him off. I was like, yo, you know like grocery stores exist, right, dude? <laughs> and he was like, he was like, fuck you. I got like twenty five hundred pounds of meat for ninety three dollars. And I was like, you know, I get that. That's that makes sense. Yeah, and, and it's and it's, it's grass fed meat. Great it's fucking meat. is organic as it gets. Yeah, it's the best. Yeah, but you got to do some hard shit to get to yeah. it. It's not easy at all. No. I mean, the fact that he got that many. Is like that guy knows what he's doing. Oh yeah, no doubt. That's, That's hard to do, and that takes a long time to learn it. But yeah, and also think about it: how often do you waste food and do, you don't even blink? You just like oh, I'm full. Throw that whole burger in the trash. It's like, do you have any idea what it takes to make? Imagine if yeah. you landed on a fucking desert island and you had to make a burger. Number one, go kill the animal, right? And then you grind it up, and the, that that's kind of the easy bit. How the fuck do you make bread on a desert island? Oh, yeah. A bun? You got to grow some wheat, <laughs> grind it up, find some other shit, get a chicken, like somehow get an egg. I don't know. Good Salt? luck. Good luck. You Even gotta... on Minecraft, that shit's hard, man. Going out to kill a cow and all that. That's like work, man. Yeah. <laughs> grow some salad in there. I yeah. mean, forget about it. How do you make a sauce? How oh, many ingredients fuck. are in that? I don't where know. Where are you going to find water? I don't like, even know yeah. where pepper it's crazy. comes from. No, it's so, cool too. I like, I like, um, so I come from a little bit of like a outdoors background as well. I'm big into like backpacking and hiking and all that stuff, which is a completely different realm than the hunting side. But you need all of that shit. You need to be able to uh, like either bring food or be able to get food yourself. You need to eat. You need to figure out water, water filtration. Where are you going to stay? Like most of the guys who hunt, they have like an emergency bivy or like whatever it is. You know, well, you so got to hang your food so like, in a tree while you're sleeping. Not only the bear, like the bear side of things is crazy. Like when you're backpacking, you're like, oh, yeah, I'll just, you know, I'll cook here and then I'll uh, make like a little, I'll set up my tent like 100 down, 100 yards down uh, wind and then you store your food another 100. So you make this little triangle or whatever. But when you kill an animal in the wild and you have to gut it and then 
drag this massive animal across the woods, hang it, come back to it later with ATVs or whatever, or you're one of those people who strap it to your back and carry like 150 pounds of meat on your back. Fucking Cameron Haynes style. It's like, and then you have to worry about bears. It's like, okay, it's very different like having all of your shit sealed up in a bear canister when you're backpacking versus like carrying around a like 100 pound raw flesh part of an animal. It's like, that's that makes you a big target for yeah. bears and stuff. So it's like it's crazy. Yeah, I I honestly am glad that animals are so fucking afraid of us because <laughs> think about it like this, right? You're leaving the woods. You've got a quarter of an elk on your back, and now you take away all the fear of animals. Like an eagle just looks at that yeah. and goes, "Oh, I could peck that dumb monkey to death <laughs> yeah. in a second. Just flies down. They could just fly at us and hit us, probably knock oh, us yeah. out. Forget about it with mountain lions. You wouldn't even know they were coming. They'd kill you're you fucked. in a second. Yeah, you're fucked. And then every single bear oh, yeah. would kill you. They're all Why are any of them good. afraid of us? <laughs> it's almost like a memo needs to go out, and they're like, yeah, these guys, are once they're in the woods, they're idiots. Yeah. You can just kill all of them and eat them all. Yeah, pretty much. But they don't. It's, it's yeah. actually quite rare. For it to happen. It's crazy. Yeah, you need to have like some open season type of shit, you know, <laughs> to have like a situation like that where the hunters are actually in danger. But It would be like the new Purge movie. It's like they've <laughs> ran out of things like plots for it because they're on Purge 5 and now it's just animals. One day a year, all the animals attack humans and we're just like, God, even badgers. We'd be fucked. Dude, a cat, a house cat is a pain in the ass when they're really pissed oh, off. Oh, yeah. Have you ever tried holding a really pissed off house cat? You can't. They, they're scratchy to pieces. You're gonna, yeah, you're going to get destroyed. You, you'd, you'd throw yeah. it at the wall, and it wouldn't even probably hit the wall. It would, like, land with its feet on the wall, and then backflip jump back, back into you, you yeah. and just scratch your eyeballs until yeah. you just panicked. Yeah, it's, it's fucking, it's crazy scary out there. And, it's and, amazing. And Steve has been through some of the kind of hairiest scariest oh yeah shit they didn't talk about it a lot on this show but i mean you you hear it you a bunch in video. yeah i saw a video the other day where joe was talking about steve and he was like they they put over the video of him i guess they just killed an elk and they were doing something with it or whatever but a bear followed them or whatever and they him steve and whoever he else he was hunting with had to take down a bear with their fucking rifles like, while it's charging at them, can you imagine oh, Jesus a giant, like, huge bear is charging at you, and your only line of defense is your, like, gun that you have with you, and you have to hit it or else you're dead. It's, like, it's crazy. It's absolutely mental. you got to think statistically. Let's say you had a handgun, right? And you, So I do have a Glock. I have a Glock 40, okay. which is, I think it's called that, or a Glock. Oh, I can't remember. Is it shoot 10 mil or not? 10 mil. Okay, yeah, So yeah, it's yeah. like the one for bears, right? Yeah. If you have full metal jackets. If you're fucking lucky, too. But, but that's my point, <laughs> yeah. right? I have never fired it, Sean. Not once. Oh, you dumbass. So I haven't even practiced. I haven't go even practiced range. it. Well, go I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. But I haven't. Okay? <laughs> I haven't had it that long, either. But I haven't practiced. I've never shot it, ever. And even if I shoot... Like, how many rounds do you need to shoot to get, like, good with a handgun? Probably a lot. A lot. And now you add bear running out. And, like, I don't even... I think even if you're good 
with a handgun, and you're not like shooting many yards. No. Like they're just not good for that. Like you want to rifle for like any sort of distance. Mm-hmm. Handguns are just kind of shitty, really, unless yeah. you're in a house. That's like the last line of defense pretty much. Yeah, like your machine gun jams, so you pull your <laughs> yeah. shitty pistol out. So okay, so it's running at you, you're scared, you're shaky anyway. You sh- it's like statistically the smartest move might be shoot yourself in the head. Because then you're not going to miss, and you're going to really you won't have save to worry yourself about from being mauled to death. Yeah, and the unfortunate thing about getting killed by a bear is like... I'm mostly joking, folks. Versus, well, yeah, but no, I mean, you do raise a fair point, because like, when a bear kills you, like mountain lions are like... It's not pretty. It's not pretty. Like Mountain lions will like go for your neck and try and like kill you first or whatever. Bears don't give a fuck. They'll just put their like giant ass hand, all all their weight on your chest, and, and just, like, just eat you, you ass first. Whatever part of your body they want first. Like, yeah. oh, this leg looks juicy. I'll I'll take a little bit of that. Well, meanwhile, you're alive, screaming for your life, and like you're fucked. Yeah, you're fucked, and you just have to wait until he finally either you bleed to death or you know you get knocked out. It's the somehow, one time but... having a huge dong isn't an advantage in life. No. They're like, that looks great. And you're like, <laughs> no! <laughs> yeah. Dude. But, the, you know, and this is something that people kind of forget. Like my family in England, for example, we all grow up vegetarian. So you can imagine they're not big into hunting, right? Uh, yeah. Of course. And they don't even really hunt there for the most part. Like you can do it, but it's nothing it's like here. It's very hard to so do. So they see this as this very like, you know, barbaric American thing. And even though I throw out some philosophies to it, like, hey, we have really good land management. We pay into it. Like, it really takes care of this thing, you know, all of nature and blah, blah, blah. Like, you can, there's, there's real value to these arguments, but it, there come, there comes a point where people just block it out. They're just yeah. like, no, bad, don't care. And the, I can tell. I just doesn't matter how I finesse this across to them they're not feeling it at all but what they don't realize and no one almost no one takes into account when they don't hunt is that level of danger that is like kind of always there yeah i mean a moose will fuck you up dude oh moose will real fuck bad. you up real bad yeah no and then another thing too that's insane to think about like going back to the whole backpacking versus hunting thing is like when you hike on like a public trail, you know, you're like, oh, I'll have a nice hike with my family or whatever. And you bring your bear spray because you're concerned. It's like when you're hunt, when you're hunting, you're not following a trail. You're bushwhacking, you know, you're going through public land openly. Like because on a trail, if there's a bunch of people who make a bunch of noise, the bears are probably not going to bother that. They're going to be like, oh, that's noisy area. I don't want to be over there. Yeah, they'll, they'll just avoid it. Stinks like monkeys over there. They'll that's they'll avoid they it. Yeah. yeah, but you're going in the middle of the woods you have no idea where the bears are or anything for that matter you know it's yeah. just like pure instinct you just at trip that over a bear cub and you look around and you're like i need to shoot myself <laughs> like this fast. is uh this is how i die yeah it's <laughs> it's it's tough man it, it's just such a another level of complexity i thought another like an interesting thing that they were talking about in 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 the show and i think that something that will be useful to kind of outline to people is like the type of hunting that they're doing <laughs> So th- it sounds like in this episode that they're – I think they're in Texas and that they have someone that they know has a big amount of private land that they're able yeah, to go out and hunt for It's free. one of the really big Texas ranch hunts. Yeah. So, so they don't have a lot of public land in Texas. That's okay. – the downside to hunting in Texas is that if you don't know anyone and you don't have a lot of money – 
fucked. There's not a lot of public land. Yeah. There is some, but it, it's probably all overhunted now. Yeah. There's a lot of private land that's really well set up, but you've either got to know people or, more importantly, you got to pay, and it's expensive. It is. But it sounds like amazing land to hunt on for sure. Yeah, as well as if you can combine that with a guide – who kind of knows the area and knows the wildlife and everything, which for most people who are hunting, your average Joe, they're not going to be able to get like private lands somewhere. You know, maybe you live somewhere like in Montana, for example, which you're really lucky to, and they have a lot of private land that you can hunt on and stuff. But um, yeah, I mean, to have you mean public land or public land, I'm sorry, yeah, yeah, no public worries. land to hunt on. Yeah, we have a lot of in Montana. There's a lot, yeah, there's a lot. And, um, but there's also increasing amounts of private places. Like, I don't know if you're familiar with Ted Turner, but he's like a giant bazillionaire. And I think he owns the most land in the U.S. Um, or whatever, but some giant guy. If you live in Montana, you probably have heard of him. He owns a lot of private land out here. And, um, a lot of it you can hunt on, but you better know him or someone in him. You have to give permission to do that stuff. Oh, yeah. And he's probably not giving no, permission no, to people. No, no, no. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of places where they'll just like own massive amounts of land. And then they'll either, um, they, they'll like, let their friends hunt or family or whatever, but it's like a very small circle. Mm-hmm. And so it sounds like that's what this is. And then, you know, uh, in their case, they're lucky enough to have a guide that's familiar with the landscape, probably a little bit of the wildlife and everything. And so it's like, well, but- even with Steve's knowledge, which is massive and pretty diverse, like he's hunted in a lot of areas, you still will find somebody in each area that even probably Steve goes to that will know quite a lot more than steve will it's like steve can you know join the like bring the gaps together Mm -hmm. quickly just by like oh yeah yeah no no i gotta i see hear what you're saying or i've heard that before or i i get the gist of this but but oh yeah that's interesting i wouldn't have gone about it that way yeah you know those saying that i'm sure steve is that guy for montana i'm sure he is yeah Yeah. i'm sure he there, there probably wouldn't be a better person to take out uh here but, yeah, as he goes other places. I mean, my friend, uh, a buddy of mine called Skippy, um, is in um, on the East Coast. Big hunter. He's, like, hunted just about everything. You go to his house, and it's like a taxidermy oh, yeah. haven. I mean, it's, it's pretty amazing. But his passion for it is, like, he goes – out to Africa and does some hunts out there. Yeah. And I know they're very controversial, you know, for a lot of that type of hunting. But he goes out there and does those. And he's just like a purist for yeah, it. Yeah, that's It's cool. just across the board. This is what he wants to do. Goes everywhere. And when he does it, almost always gets guides unless mm-hmm. he's in his own area. Like when he's doing tree stands for deer with bow on the East Coast – like he knows that. Yeah. He's he's a professional at that. But he doesn't pretend he is when he goes anywhere else, gets the right people to go with him. That's kind of what you want to do. And there's it's a, a smart lot of move because otherwise a, you're gonna fuck it up. Yeah, you're gonna fuck it up, you're gonna be wasting time and you you're can not fuck gonna it have up as, for other people. You're, yeah, you're not gonna have as good of a time you in could, general. You can injure animals for sure. And it's you also, shouldn't be taking it's also, you might you might even identify the wrong animal. Oh yeah. Because you're not used to which ones you're looking at. And that that breaks kind of all the codes of hunting if you fuck that up. Oh, yeah. It's also really helpful for areas where guiding is like 
really big. Like people who guide, they most of the time what they'll do, whether it's a fishing guide, hunting guide, whatever it is, they'll have some sort of a day job out of season. So if you're like a raft guide in the winter, you have some sort of day job. Like I met, I worked with this guy who worked at a, in produce in a grocery store around here. And he would do that in the winter. And then in the summer, he would make most of his money throughout the year guiding. And that's what they do. And they live in the same area for a large period of their life. And they're very, very comfortable where they are. They know all the good spots. They're very helpful, very knowledgeable and everything. And it's like if you're going to a specific area and you want to have – and you have the money for one, but you also want to have like a, a much more uh, like overall just better experience is you hi- hire a guide. Hire someone who knows the area, who can show you all these different things, who is – very well versed in all of the native things in that area and they can help you and regardless of how good of a hunter you are in general is like it's always helpful to have someone like that who kind of just knows more specifically where you are and everything like that for sure and it also promotes and encourages the whole network yeah it helps it helps those people out and what i've found uh all the time is that those guides, whether they're raft guides, hunting guides, whatever kind of guides, zipline guides, whatever the fuck, those are really cool people most of the time. Mm -hmm. They're really down-to-earth people who are just kind of like, they're just kind of like bum around and figure out whatever they need to like sustain their thing. But then when they're guiding, that's what they love doing and that's their thing. it's, It's to watch anyone be passionate at their job is cool. Yeah. Even if the, someone's like a professional origami person. I don't give a shit if you're not into origami at all. But it's you see fun. someone really passionate about what they're yeah. doing, like they love it, it kind of brings you in. Oh, yeah. So it's cool that this whole environment of, you know, outfitters and hunting guides and outdoors people, they're all like that. Same yeah. thing with all the ski slopes. It's up a, here. Oh yeah, it's That's a great why community. The ski and snowboarding community is so great. Nobody's fucking calling in that job. It's not Walmart. You don't work at a an no. enterprise rental company or a car wash. Like you're most likely not a lazy fuck. You are. You love a certain thing that you do, and you're trying to find a way to make money off of right. that. And be able to keep doing that. Yeah, and you that's probably, awesome. You probably sacrificed a lot to get to oh, that yeah. point. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it's it's really cool though. I thought that. Uh, yeah, it sounded like the guy that they went with, uh, with Joe, um, in the episode. It sounded like they had a great guide, mm-hmm. um, and they had a good time. I thought it was also really interesting. They talked a lot about like kind of the differences in bow hunting versus rifle hunting and kind of the whole, like, sides of things. So I'm curious, like, when you hunt, what are you hunting with? And maybe you could I primarily go bow. Bow hunting, yep. okay. I really, But I'll do right. Like, since I've been up here, I've gone on more rifle hunts than I ever had before. Yeah. And you, before that, the most with guns I would do is shotgun and bird. Okay. So, like, pheasant. That makes sense. And dove hunting. You're not hitting a, a pheasant bunch with a bow. Of that. But no, good luck. Yeah. I mean, um, so it's it's like bow I just find just fascinating the whole process. I don't yeah. mind how hard it is. I don't mind that it takes forever to learn and the yield is super low. Mm-hmm. Like it's like I just commit to I feel like it's like, more rewarding though I think at the end of it be, if you do if you it's going to be so much something. more rewarding. Yeah, yeah. When you finally are holding a piece of meat knowing that yeah, 
I mean, there's a lot more to it on the on the it's bow pretty crazy. side, but it's yeah. all really cool and interesting. And while yeah. I'm up here, I don't know how long I live in Montana. It might mm-hmm. be a long time, it might be a short time, but I'm not going to assume either one. And I'm going to take advantage of it, really any type of hunting that I can do. Um, you know, I even went out bear, um, bow, no bear rifle early in the season. So oh, yeah. in we got on a few bears that mm. we could have got close enough to shoot. Um, and, you know, it did. It just didn't quite sit with me. Yeah. Right. Something about, I don't know. I don't want to overthink it, but I'm like, ah, fucking. Yeah. You know. It was that It was that 13-year-old birthday party that you had at Build-A-Bear Workshop. Uh, the whole time while you were out there in the woods, you were just thinking about that little bear that you guys ruined. You're like, I can't. Yeah. I just can't. It's like the Jungle Book cartoon. Yeah, yeah. You're just like, that guy, He's just was... so cuddly and cute. It it's was just, great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there was just something beautiful and powerful about, like, it, don't get me wrong. It wasn't like a shot that I had that I chose not to take. It's like most of the p- bears that we came up on that we could have got a shot with, after a while of kind of stalking with them, we would see that they have a cub with them. And then you can't, like, you you're, can't, you're yeah. not allowed to. Yeah. yeah, you can't shoot anything. Which you with wouldn't a cub. want to, anyways. You know, you no, shoot no, no, the mom and then the cub's like, Ooh. Yeah, but I was just, you know, there were moments before that where for like a good amount of time we didn't see a cub. So I don't know what the ethical ground there is. It's like, mm. how long are you yeah, supposed like if to you, wait? For? If you shoot the bear and then the cub presents itself, it's like, what do you do in that situation? Two bears. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. It's like, it's bad. You would feel bad. You would feel bad. But I remember thinking even before that, it was like, oh, I'm about to shoot this. I don't know. I just feel like a deer is like this is this powerful apex predator. There's like far less of them than there are all the deer now. I don't know why I was thinking about it this way. It was just like, I'm just telling you how it was. And Mm -hmm. I was like, I kind (laughs) of think that I can do elk better. Yeah, you know, and I've heard that when you kind of hang up the bears too, and you, oh. it looks like a big, strong person, skinned, which yeah. is no, that would be creepy as fuck, yeah. dude. It's not That'd just sad. <laughs> it's like, what am I, a super serial killer? Of you, you like, get home, pissed drunk one night, and then you walk through your garage, and you're like, oh shit, yeah, you forgot that you killed a bear the other day. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I that mean, would that would be uh, that would not be fun. Somebody at my at the Bozeman Hot Springs here told me that. Uh, who's like lifelong hunter, you know, he's like old guy now. He was special forces like way back in the day. I mean, this guy's a badass. Tim, good old Tim. (laughs) Shout out to Tim. But uh, yeah, he loves hunting and loves that I'm getting into it, knowing very little and that I'm English, you know, because it's like, yeah, you're you're, you're sold on the American way. I'm like, yeah, I am. It's great. (laughs) And uh, he was telling me that you you can shoot the bears, like sometimes he's done a lot of bear hunting, and he goes, they die like a human. Which is a creepy thing to say, yeah, Tim. It that, is because yeah. it tells me quite you, a lot about what you know. How would you know? How would you know? Yeah. But when you're a special forces guy, you probably, I would imagine, all of them have killed people. I feel like that's, that's a reasonable excuse to pull up. You know, exactly. if you were if you were just a plumber, I'd be like, well, how do you how do you know that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah if you're a, if you're like a, a clown at a birthday party, that's might a big be red like, flag. Hold on, we're gonna <laughs> have to yelp this guy. Yeah, but yeah, he's like they, you know, they could sit there, they make 
like a bit of a you know, squealing noise, oh, and then geez. it's like a lot of breathing, and it, it's just like even their motion of like how they move, and it's 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 a lot. Whereas if you because deer are like set up so or elk is set up so much different yeah, than they're us. like a horse. You're, exactly, they're not, they're not similar. They're to just us. flopping yeah. around in a weird way, <laughs> yeah. and then you're like, oh, I can deal with this. It's not great, yeah. but I can deal with this. I can. So I think mentally, there might be some better animals. Also. Bear meat, it, it, like, I know Steve Ranella likes it. He talked about it on this one. Pretty he, hard to cook, though, isn't it? He's, yeah, well, I mean, you got to cook the shit out of it, Yeah, because all the parasites. Yeah. you got to just stew it forever, oh, basically. The one really good thing from bear is you get a lot of the, town, like, the fat. Oh, you yeah. render a lot of um, bear fat, which yeah. is useful and really good to add to other meats. And game meat, you know, elk meat, whatever. It's, like, good to have that fat. The best thing, though, that Steve Rinella has ever tried, the best meat ever, he says, and this is not on this podcast, but another one, and why listening to Meat Eater sometimes has some gems, is um, a black bear that's been foraging on blueberries. And I guess there's certain black bears in certain areas that do this. Interesting. And the and the meat he said was like almost purple. Wow. Yeah. Purple. Wow. Well, because of all the yeah, fucking. That's pretty crazy. Blue in the in the berries. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I imagine that. And it uh, tasted a bit like blueberries from certain regions, depending on what they eat. You know, it's the same with like chicken. Like if you get a chicken that's bread in a cage or whatever versus a like free range yeah, you're gonna taste the difference well they say you don't want to really eat bear meat right after the salmon spawn thing oh yeah because all they've been doing is eating that salmon and it's but that's like, the easiest time to hunt bears because you know you go up to Alaska and you uh, hunt during salmon spawning season the bears don't give a fuck about you yeah they're just sat they're, no, just, they're just sat like no. oh, hello you know they don't care sat at the top of a waterfall just yeah they're just dinner. fat as fuck yeah you would not want to shoot one, though, in the water. No. That You'd never sounds... get that bitch out of there. No. I mean, best case scenario, it gets, like, caught in a rock, and then you can, like, drag it to shore or whatever. But, like, that's yeah. that's huge. It depends. There's no way. Maybe they float. So if they float, you could just, like, hopefully, Hopefully they over float. The if not, you know, hopefully it's, like, a shallow enough creek that you could just, like, drag it or whatever. But, yeah, that would be tough. Yeah, I don't be, think that would be the way to go. It'd be a real problem. You know, that that would suck if you, like, shot it and then it, like, you know, fell off of a waterfall or something. You're like, well, fuck. Mm-hmm. Never going to get that back. Yeah. You know? I heard about some people shooting a moose and, like, it, sh- shooting it in water or, like, rolling into some water. And then, it, yeah, it was a nightmare. Yeah. Like, that thing's, like, 2,000 pounds. <laughs> not to mention. That's like a car. <laughs> yeah, not a car to... <laughs> in a stream, and yeah. you don't have, like. You're going to drag a Passat out of a gut, you know? It's like, out of a gutter. It's like, yeah, that's not going to happen. Yeah, unless you're friends with, like, the, you know, world's strongest men. Maybe they could go in there and do <laughs> yeah. it. But yeah. That's about it. Yeah, that's tough. Yeah, I don't know. And not to mention what it does to the meat after that, you know? Like, I don't know if getting soaked in the water has anything to do with the meat. But oh, no, because no. No? You know, I mean, if you were, like, separating it in there, but that probably just cleans it up. It's probably, probably yeah, yeah, probably easier. Yeah. If it's, like, a dirty puddle, you might have to be <laughs> yeah. a bit more concerned. Some jardier meat, maybe. Dude, the funniest thing, this is a weird tangent, but when I was in high school, I used to do rowing, and uh, I lived in Florida, and the lake that we used to row on was, like, right next to the airport. 
And so we would, it was the dis- most disgusting lake in the world. It was so gross. You couldn't see, like if you put your hand in the water and you lowered it like six inches under the water, you couldn't see your hand anymore. It was disgusting. But it was right close to the airport. So we used to joke about it, about like how the fish were like, Jet powered fish, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, like yeah, they like Three absorbed eyes. the yeah, yeah. It was crazy, but there was so many alligators and shit in that lake. It was it was gross. It Jesus was, Christ! It was pretty. Why wild. couldn't you see your hand? Was it just like the it's so murky? Mud yeah. And- well, what happens is um, lily pads will grow and then um, they'll die eventually, and then they'll uh, go to the bottom of the lake, and then they just become this like murky dust or whatever, and so it just. It, makes the whole lake disgusting. Not all lakes in Florida are like that. There are some that are pretty clean. And, like, if you go to a spring, it's pretty clean. But our lake was disgusting. But, yeah, we used to joke about how they used to have uh, all the fish were, like, jet-powered and the alligators <laughs> and stuff because it was so close to the airport. Guaranteed there was some toxins It was disgusting, yeah. yeah. I would not have jumped in that lake without, like, some serious protection. Yeah. Talking about that, my like I said earlier, my buddy Skippy, he, when I first met him, he just flown down to florida to go on a, a like a gator hunt oh yeah that's pretty bad it's ass. pretty crazy yeah yeah we used to yeah we used to run into some people while we were rowing that would do that and stuff and they were they were a different breed man they were yeah. they were tough because you can't like the the way that they do it i think is they like hook them in somehow drag them closer to the boat and then the whole idea is you have to get them on their back to shoot them i don't know where you shoot them but they're or not their back, their stomach to shoot them. Their back is like full of like crazy reinf- – they're like dinosaurs pretty yeah. much. So their back is just full of these crazy reinforced you sure scales. Because I watched the video of how he did it and it was maybe not I, like that. Maybe – I don't know. I might be talking my ass. But they, I, it was that just is the floating, softest spot. It was just floating on the water. Oh, yeah. And then he just like pointed to where its brain probably I is. I imagine if you use it. a strong enough gun, you can get through that. But, yeah, it's a lot harder to kill them on their back because they have those, like, scales. It makes shit. sense. Yeah. yeah, they are dinosaurs. Yeah. They're the tough. They're crazy, though. Because you could imagine shooting one of those big turtles in the shell, and it wouldn't even It wouldn't do it. shit, yeah. You'd it imagine. It wouldn't do shit, yeah. I mean, yeah, it just bounces off, shoots you. You're like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> like, now I see why these bastards live like 150 years. Yeah. <laughs> just bleed out. Yeah, exactly. You get like a blue one and then it like, you know, like Mario Kart, it just blows you up or whatever. <laughs> what, I, what I really also love about just hunting in general and um, all the people that like – um, Renella goes hunting with on his meat eater show. It's like the age range is phenomenal. It's hmm. almost like it's a lifelong journey to one of those. And Rogan loves those things, like jujitsu, yeah. comedy. It's things where there's like the, it takes a long fucking time to get really, really good at it. And therefore, when you're there, it's undeniable. Mm-hmm. It's like chess. You can't go to a chess tournament and bullshit your way through. No, you're gonna you can't fucked. go to a jujitsu tournament and bullshit your way to the end. Right? Yep. You could kind of do it in in plenty of other areas of life. You can mm-hmm. kind of bullshit at least for a while. But these disciplines really quickly, you're just like, yeah, this fucking guy knows nothing about this. Yeah. Hunting is the same way. And what's nice about it too is you can kind of do those into old age as well. Like yeah. even jujitsu, of all the martial arts, and it's a very effective one, one of the best anyway, you can probably train that one the latest in life mm-hmm. because it's more of a ballet. 
you know it's, it's more like, of a dance it's not in a sense. striking not to and, use yeah, a it's like non-masculine word but it is kind of a dance it's a it's sense. a bit like that yeah right it's more like chess mm-hmm. right it's just like positioning movement you know you work within your capabilities but it's 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 not requiring you to have like massive endurance lots of strength super fast reflexes which a lot of martial yeah. arts do require the best resource is experience you really it is yeah. it really yeah. is and hunting is the same way and obviously when people get real old they can't go bow hunting in yeah. the same way because um the output is so much more um i guess they could pay have those outfitters with them and like you know they can kind of make it a little bit easier yeah. but then they can go back to rifle hunting and some easier hunts and you can still do it really pretty late in life and it's, yeah, it's and I, just such a huge passion it for is. so many people that's what intrigues me i think it's pretty cool i definitely respect the culture of hunting um i like i said compared to backpacking it makes backpackers sound like bitches <laughs> you know so it's it's very very cool but yeah i think it's cool too is like you know, as you, um, like say you've hunted your whole life and you get to an age where, you know, you can't bow hunt anymore or whatever. It's like, by that point, you're probably going to figure out what you want to hunt anyways. And hopefully you made it young enough that you had the opportunity to do the stuff that you wanted to do when at a young enough age. But yeah, by the time you're old and you've been doing it your whole life, like you're just going to stick to what you like. Like you're going to go bird hunting or I, I don't know shit, but like you're going to do the whatever you like that you're still capable of doing that's still engaging to you or whatever. So it's, it is cool through like the technology of like modern rifles and stuff that you have a wide variety of age groups that can participate. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. And you know, another thing they bring up is like stress in the animal when, when it's getting killed. Right. And like how much cortisol or adrenaline is like pumping through a system when they kill the animal and like how that affects the meat. And they talked about that pig being trapped in the snare. Oh, yeah. And how it was like unedible compared to one that they blew the brains out. It's like that could be real. Yeah. And it could also make you think about most of the meat that we eat because most of everything you're eating, I'm sure, is not grass-fed, grass-finished, like killed at the same farm and like done pretty humanely with people that give a shit. It's like – squashed into a giant machine somehow that you don't even want to know how it got killed. Yeah. And, it, you know, there is a big difference. between There's pork chops that I've yeah. had that I'm like, I hate pork, I never want to eat it again. And there's other pork chops I've had where I'm like, oh, my God, is that the same animal? Yeah, no, it's crazy. Like, are you fucking kidding me? That's the same animal. Yeah, and I feel like any time that someone offers me, uh, like, game meat or anything that was, like, hunted and killed, I'm like, this is miles better than any shit you're going to buy at the grocery store. It's so much better. You you know, you don't have, like... Mo- they advertise on like modern meat that you can eat is like no antibiotics or whatever. It's like no, I literally killed this in the forest. Like yeah. it's a totally different realm. It's like yeah. no antibiotics. This fucking thing didn't even see a human being ever <laughs> until I killed it. Yeah, yeah, it's like it's it's totally different. Yeah, it's crazy. But I think I think it's cool in that sense. And I I do that was an interesting bit though about like how um how how you kill an animal can. A- uh, like change the flavor of the meat in some way. Remember, this is like mostly anecdotal and who yeah. knows, right? Steve even kind of brought that up at the end. He's like, look, people don't. Other Also, pushback, people have told me about awful ways that other animals have died and the meat's the same. And you'd have to do like double blind 
Probably, yeah. And that would be a quick way of doing it. And it's sad experiment because you'd have to like have animals that died in awful ways. I mean, I guess if you don't facilitate it and it happens accidentally, you can just harvest it real quick. And yeah. Be like, all right, try all this. That could be tough. But it makes sense that it could be like that. I, I mean, think it makes sense. I mean, if you think about the biology of how uh, different neurotransmitters are released during like, you know, when you get into those like fight or flight responses and like all of those things are released throughout the bloodstream and the, the muscles and all of that stuff. And you have just like this excess amount of energy in the body at, like when I you're think, in those heightened states. I think states technically like, – I don't think they're technically considered toxins. But they are pretty bad for you. Are so they? cortisone, okay. adrenaline, all the ones that cause you to like be able to react very quickly, focus, eyes dilate, you know, your blood constricts, like your breathing changes, like you're fucking heightened, like you're ready to like survive. Yeah. Like it has to make a massive change in your system almost as – extreme is like maybe i don't know doing like a bunch of cocaine probably like something very artificial right yeah and it has to happen instantly and then afterwards i think you get like the adrenaline dump the chemical dump and then you move on and you do your thing but that takes a lot longer in today's life though because we don't really get attacked by lions we just do things like we forget our cell phone and then we forget to pay this bill and then someone yells at us in traffic we're at like low level adrenaline dump spike stress cortisol all day and that's when it becomes really bad to have those chemicals just constantly in your system yeah i, I think it's interesting though like like you said the last part is like are not not like we're not fighting lions anymore so like all of those weird uh like stress released hormones that we get are like in our everyday lives like they're not necessary you know like oh shit someone didn't like they responded terribly to my email. Oh no, my life is going to end. It's like it's really not. Well, but you still get that same stress response from a lot of things that you bring up. I'll push back like against that. that though because people say that it's like, oh, it's not necessary to be like, you know, a strong male figure in today. And it's like, well, yeah, we're not walking around with spears defending the village. Mm -hmm. But if we do the things that promote that, then we just feel better as men, like working out a lot. Yeah. Or competing against other men. There is like, a balance we just to it. Feel, well, but it's in us anyway. It's almost like saying, oh, we don't need those chemicals. Well, we kind of do when we do need to react quickly. Yeah. We just don't need to react to those things. As much. That way. And how we minimize that is by fucking working out all the time or going hunting or going to jujitsu. Yeah. It's like we get those things out. So it's, it's we just have an excess of of these compounds in us that are designed to save our lives that we're not using because we live in a safe environment. Yeah, that that was so kind of just, like, what I was saying. Out. It's like not, not they're not it's not that these compounds aren't necessary, but to the amounts that we use them for such trivial things in our life as modern, you know, people right. in, 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 in which in should our be nation. the indicator yeah. that you are not either working out enough, running enough, which yeah, is you the have same to as have, out, You have to have that excess. Yeah. If you get an email things. or a text from your lover or like these little things are like really fucking bothering you, I guarantee it's that you're just not You burning. don't have an outlet for that. Yeah. yeah, you're not burning this. And I think having an outlet effort. for that is important. And I, I think what I was kind of trying to say is that like, you know, assuming that you don't have an outlet for that and those things aren't used properly is like in modern day, like say you're some tech bro in 
New York or whatever is like you don't work out at all. You make so much money, you don't have to worry about it or uh-huh. whatever. That's not a priority. Yeah. But you're like, fuck, this stock is down, and then you're just like, you have like your heart race, and you you have all these hormones pumping through you and stuff and it's like it's really not that big of a deal your life is not threatened in any way but you're still having this stress response and then if you're doing that like multiple times a day on excess and that's all that you're getting is like that's when it can kind of be damaging to you not the people who work out on a regular basis and use that as a um, right Right, the, it's like that. the yeah. stock upsets you, so you turn around to your mini bar that you have in your office because <laughs> yeah. you're so baller, and you're like, "Well, clearly, I need to hit that Buffalo Trace," and that's the closest nature that you technically get. Yeah, or you go haywire on your Buffalo. assistant, and you're yeah. like, "God damn it, Jessica, never wear that again." <laughs> you know, you're like freaking out over some stupid thing. You know, is this a fucking skimmed latte? Yeah, this is whole milk. Yeah, you go all Patrick Bateman on them or whatever, you know. Yeah. Oh, I, th- I, there's so much of that happening. Mm-hmm. There's so many people you can see around you, and this is why Joe get like once he got into hunting and saw it and felt it and loved it. He's like, oh my god, I need this mm-hmm. because he was in Hollywood as a it's famous an person. Yeah, it's and totally he's an like, escape. I get that. Oh, I see people all the time that are living so separate to nature or like just like a natural way of existing it's like they're stressed about this thing and that thing or they're like talking your ear off about the prince harry Meghan markle book or who whatever. gives a fuck yeah. and i'm just like look i know i'm the only english person that you know but trust me i'm only being polite by nodding my head and pretending yeah. to listen to this it's like yeah some of the story is kind of like interesting because obviously he's had like a very privileged wacky life right he's a prince but i still don't care yeah i still don't care and it, like, doesn't, affect you. it doesn't affect I've your life some, in any way no, i've got some interesting stories it's too. Like, it's just one guy while you're uh while you're worrying about all this other bullshit in the world, you could be grinding somewhere using testosterone in the proper way or whatever. You know, I guess this is more of a like a Goggins way of saying things. But like while you're bitching about your coworkers doing X, Y, and Z and that gets you fired up, you could get yourself fired up in the gym. Go for a run, you fat fuck. Yeah. You know, like yeah. well, use that properly. Use it the way that it's supposed to be used, uh-huh. you know. Don't fucking waste all of your uh, – all of your hormones on bullshit things, you know? It's a hundred percent true, man. And I and also I think that Joe talks about it too, like eating that type of food as well, like mm-hmm. almost gives him more kind of virality. Even if it, there's no science behind that at all and it doesn't affect his hormones Could be or whatever. Placebo. Placebo, whatever it is, it works. If, it, if it makes him more satisfied and that's what gets him fired up, that's all that matters. But think about it, like I said earlier, instead of throwing that meal away. Throw in that whole burger away because you didn't make it. You don't give a fuck about it. You you have this food on your plate. Maybe it's jalapenos. Maybe it's eggs. Maybe it's an elk steak. You have chickens. You grew the jalapenos and you m- killed that meat. There's deep you're not, satisfaction you're, in that. Massive satisfaction. Yeah. You are correct. It's like if you build tables and you're eating on your dining room table and it's yours. It's like that table is different now. Yeah. It means it a lot more to you. And like you, maybe that's just an overall like positive reinforcement that comes back in. I but mean, it, cooking with this food is hard. 
Oh, and that's yeah. another really cool thing that Ranella does is he probably makes, as far as I can think, the best, um, the best like cookbooks for wild game, wild gaming. Yeah. yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I was. It's they were talking man. about. It's hard to cook with. I can't remember what the name of the grill was, but they were talking about a specific grill in the episode that I when I oh, went Traegers? Yeah, yeah. When I dude. went back to uh, I went to see like kind of the other side of my family for Thanksgiving or whatever, and uh, they had this huge addition to this house that has been in my family for whatever, but. They bought one of these grills, and we cooked a brisket on it, and dude, it's amazing. It's mind-blowing. You can plug the probe in to the grill directly, and then you can plug it into the steak. You can like automatically adjust the amount of pellets that you need to keep the temperature the same way. And then there was another, I think it was the same probe that they were talking about in the episode, in the the, uh, podcast, but it was like a probe you put in the in the steak or whatever it is, you put it in the middle, connects to your phone. It gives you an estimation of when it's going to be done. You put in how well you want it done or whatever, and then it's like, oh, yeah, in 22 minutes, your brisket's going to be done. And you're like, holy shit. How does it know that? It's crazy. Dude, that is the shit. Think about it. In it's the morning, insane. you wake up, you get your coffee, you turn your Traeger on, you put this fucking beautiful slab of meat that you've been defrosting in the fridge overnight or for two days, you just slap it in there and go to work. Oh, yeah. And it turns it off. When it's done, And yeah. then when you get home, it's all closed in there, and it's outside. Then you've just got the most amazing type of thing. It's and crazy. Then, and then, this is the beautiful thing about meat, right? You can do a lot with veggies to make them taste good, but veggies are like blah, blah, whatever. But you can do some good things, you know, but it's mostly a lot of spices and things. With meat, it's not so much. Like a good steak only needs salt and pepper. Uh, yeah. You know, but you get a good brisket. It's like, yeah, you start adding stuff to that. More importantly, you cook the meat the right way, which is always what it's about. How many yeah. pieces of dry-ass chicken have you had in your life? The way you're like, why does anyone eat chicken? Too many. <laughs> Dude, if you cook chicken the right way, and there's- It's and so there's, much better. And it's, it's different for different things. I mean, if you have like um, kind of crispy chicken strips or whatever, like that- D- you don't want that moist, you know. All ways, of that should yeah. be pretty dry, and then you have a dip with it, and it's like you know you make nuggets, whatever. But then you can have like really moist, you know, uh, bre- chicken breast, or like you do thighs, and then you yeah. make them. It's like, dude, it's crazy. You, you now, can make really any type of meat potentially blow your mind if you cook it the right way. Yeah, it's insane. So many. Uh... So many of my friends are like, oh, I don't like meat. I think it's dry or whatever. It's like, fucking Jessica, you don't know how to cook meat, dude. I've seen you. You don't season it. You don't You don't sear it at all. You just cut it up into little pieces and fry it. And it's like, that is the worst way to cook chicken. But yeah. You're, 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 you're wasting your time <laughs> and your money eating this bland-ass bullshit. Uh-huh. I, well, but that's why so many people say, I'm not really into, like, hunted meat or game meat or because they just haven't had it You don't it know how right. to do it right, yeah. And, and not many people really do. And those that have always liked hunting have just a lot of times just picked their one recipe that they do well and just yeah. kept it there. But with Steve's books, I mean, it really helps out. It's cool because it's a different universe cooking game meat versus, you know, uh, grocery well, you got to know what you're doing. Whatever. Yeah, you have to know what you're doing. And then it's also like, depending on what you want to cook, it's usually like weird, like unless you're doing like a regular steak or something, but like it's not a cow. It's a totally different animal. Mm-hmm. You're going to be cooking different amounts 
not only different amounts, but different parts of the animal, like different sections, because it's so much bigger than a cow. And then you have like way more meat than you know what to do with. And then you're like, well, shit, this is a huge piece of meat. I don't know how long to cook this. Yeah, it's like you, you, what's beautiful about it in a way is like an homage to or homage to the creature. It's yeah. like you have to learn about it. Yeah. It's not like you just go to the grocery store, you're like, that steak. You don't know where the fuck that came off the cow. No. But then when you butcher it yourself, put, to take it apart, like do it all, like obviously you got it too. So you have this like love for what you've got, but you also understand what all the different pieces are and how mm-hmm. they taste and and what to use for where and how to do the back straps. And it's it's kind of pretty fucking cool. To, it is, yeah. And it, it all goes back to that satisfaction that you get when you do it properly and you've gone through all the steps, you've killed the animal, you've properly uh, butchered it and all this stuff is like... It, it's so much more satisfying when it when at the end of it you've cooked your own shit and it's really good. You're like, yeah, yeah I did this, you know. Yeah, it's cool. It's and and this is this is the kind of passion that Steve brings out of people. Why the Meat Eater podcast is so good. Why his show is so good. And more importantly, how he got Joe Rogan, who's like the biggest advocate for hunting in the country, just because yeah. he's so damn popular, into this pursuit. You know, he yeah. came into it at, like, 40 years old. Really? Like, he wasn't a young man when he got into hunting. But he just yeah. was interested, contacted Steve, they went up there, and now he doesn't look back. Yeah. I mean, it's it's fascinating. But you need people like Steve, someone with, like, a real poetry. I remember I never really gave a fuck about food shows until I watched Bourdain. Mm-hmm. And he just he that passion was undeniable. Yeah, that it just makes you like into it. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he's probably but both of these guys have turned um, a generation of people into foodies and, and hunties, yeah. and it can't. I get think enough. it's cool. And most people that I've met, especially like living in uh, Montana, most people that I meet who hunt and are into that kind of stuff. They're all really, really cool, down to earth, like total just badasses, and they're just out there doing their own thing. Fuck yeah. They're just cool people, man. Yeah. Well, on that note, I think we'll end it. Thanks for listening. Check out the Meaty to episode 403, Joe Rogan. I think you like it. And we appreciate you guys. Talk to you next week. Peace out.